Y'all got your Bibles? Y'all ready to go? Turn to Proverbs 4. Let's look at our text. And would you believe God with me this evening? Did you come here just to say you went to service tonight or did you? Now, if that's the main reason you came and you're ready to go, that's okay. You can say, you can leave right now and say, I went. If you're scared, you know we're going to go too long, but otherwise, you want to get the whole thing, then uh, let's just stay hooked and believe God with me because I didn't come in empty tonight here. I've got, got some things. So let's believe God to get it out. Getting it out is not automatic. I've had meetings before where I was, uh, I stayed there for a week and never got out what God put in my heart. Two services a day. Morning and somebody said, why not? I couldn't get it out. Somebody said, what do you mean? Why didn't you just tell them? Well, the Bible says don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does that mean? Don't give precious things to people who don't appreciate them. And you can tell. And in this particular place, thank God I hadn't had too many like that, but uh, they had meetings all the time. This has been many years ago. And they just had meetings like every other week. And uh, when I showed up, they were like, ho-hum, another meeting. Who are you? Bless us if you can. (laughs) And it just, there, there was no hunger. There was no desire. And so I'd almost teach the same thing every night, trying to lay a foundation. And I know they probably thought that was the only message I had, but I didn't. How many know there's no need going to three times three if you ain't got one plus one? So the utterance is greatly affected by the hearers. Every service is not just a preacher deal and it's not just a Holy Ghost deal. It's your part, my part, his part. If we do our part, you can count on him, right, to do his part. So let's pray even before we read this and release our faith. Father, we're here tonight and our eyes are not on each other, but we're looking to you. And we believe that you are here tonight to speak to us and to minister to us. And we believe that your words are precious. Your words are life and health and medicine to our flesh and answers to everything that we face in life. So we're looking to you and we're asking you give us ears that hear, eyes that see, heart that understands. Let there come a supply of the Spirit. Let there come anointing. Let there come divine impartations and grace deposits, answers to questions, solutions, and direction for right now. We'll hear it, we'll receive it, and by your grace, we'll do it. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed because you're so faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 4 and verse 5. Proverbs 4, verse 5, what's the first word? Get. Get what? Wisdom. Wisdom. What's the next word? Get understanding. Now, who's the understood subject? Get is an action word, right? 
Well, who's the subject? You is the understood subject. You get wisdom. You get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not and she shall preserve you. Love her and she shall keep you. Some minister friends of mine had planned to vacation in the area where the tsunami hit over Christmas. Talking about when it happened. And uh, they're both, I've known them, Phyllis and I've known them for decades. Good friends. And they had planned and the kids were hyper about going and everybody wanted to go and they're going to, I forget the name of the beach, but it was one of the main ones that got hit. And uh, they had looked forward to it, looked forward to it for months and it comes up, you know, they're going to spend the Christmas season there and the daddy, he began to get it in his heart not to go. And some of the family thought, well, why? We want to go. He said, no, I don't think we ought to. Well, why? I don't know, but I just don't think we ought to. And, uh, it, you know, some of them didn't understand. It kind of aggravated them. Like, well, <laughs> but it was a really good thing that he was the head of his house. Yeah. Finally, he told him, he said, I don't know why, okay? I just know I got to check about going. So we're not going. And because he was the head of the house, that was the end of it. And they were not there when it hit. Well, that's so the wisdom of God has to do with looking ahead, with the future, with knowing what's happening and the plan of God. Well, God's plans always take care of us. And notice what it said here. If you won't forsake wisdom, what will happen? She will preserve you. She will preserve you. My uh, nephew is a squadron leader on the ground in Iraq. This is his second tour of duty. He was there during the war, the beginning, and their job was to paint targets. They're about as hot a job as it gets on the ground. Painting targets for the smart missiles and stuff like that. Well, their job for several of the things now, they go in the middle of the night to suspected terrorist subjects and they go in in the dark and find the folks and that's what they do. And he sent word just a while back, this is his second tour. When he first went, we sent him a series of the tapes, How to Be Led by the Spirit. And I told him, so we're going to pray for you. I said, but you can't separate staying safe from this. You got to be led. And man, he got a hold of that. I'm telling you what, and he's the team leader. The guys follow him. And he wrote and told us just recently, some of you were here, in this last time he's been there, I mean, they go out all the time. And he said, they have been spared 12 times, a dozen times. Already, they'd start to do something. And I guess his commander, he has the respect enough by now that he'll tell him, you know, I don't think we ought to go there now. And they've given him some latitude on some things. And every time that he had a check about not going there now, there was something there. They were spared. Some other people got into it. They didn't. They haven't lost a man. 
Out of all these tours and all this time. What is that though? Who would know what's around the next corner? But the wisdom of God is ours for the getting. Oh, can you see it, friends? And it's available to everybody that'll look for it and ask for it and pay attention. If you won't forsake her, if you won't ignore her, what will wisdom do for you? She will preserve you. If you'll love her, love what? Wisdom, she shall keep you. How many young people are dead? Because somebody dared them to do something stupid. And they were so full of pride, they didn't listen to the wisdom in them. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about people who don't know God. I'm talking about young people who are saved, who know God. Somebody dares them to do this or, uh, you know, do this to be cool or do this, you know, and we'll think you're hot and you're impressive. And the wisdom of God's going, don't do that. Don't do that. You just say, hey. Y'all are nuts. Go home. Right? But no, pride can override that. Nobody dares me. (laughs) Well, you can be dead real quick. And prove what? That you were foolish. That's all it proves. Thank God. Keep wisdom and she'll preserve you. She'll keep you. Notice what the next verse says. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Get it. And with all your getting, get understanding. What's the emphasis here? Get it. Get it. Who's supposed to get it? You are. I am. We are. Exalt her and she'll do what? Wisdom will promote you. She'll bring you to honor when you embrace her. She'll give to your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings and the years of your life shall be many. Thank you, Lord. And we've talked about wisdom in some detail. We talked about how important wisdom is. We've talked about where wisdom comes from. We've talked about how you got to cry after wisdom because it's crying for you. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. We've talked, we saw how that the words of our mouth are so vital to us walking in wisdom. You can't talk foolishness and ignorance all the time and walk in wisdom. And we saw that if you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. But if you hang out with fools, the Bible said you'll be destroyed. And what were we talking about last week? Anybody remember? We were talking about Daniel's wisdom. And we got into looking at the excellent spirit. And we saw that the spirit of wisdom is the spirit of excellence. And a lot of people have not, you hear about excellence. You hear about the spirit of excellence. But there's been some real misconceptions about this. A lot of folk have thought, well, the spirit, doing things with the spirit of excellence means doing the very best you can. But that's not true. The more excellent way, so many times, you don't know yet. Are you with me? 
So by faith, you have to get from God the better way, the more excellent way. You must get the wisdom of God. The spirit of excellence to excel means to be above and beyond. How many know God's ways are higher, aren't they? Higher, better, they excel the brightest natural minds on the planet. As far as the heavens are. Above the earth. But we're not left to fend for ourselves. We can know his ways. That's why the spirit of God has been given to us. That we might know the things. That have been given to us. We have the mind of Christ. We have an unction of the Holy One. Right? And so operating in the wisdom of God. Is finding from God the better way, the more excellent way to do the thing. And we saw that it's in faith, and then we ended up by talking about the most excellent way of love. Well, talking about the wisdom of God, you'd have to get into love because God is love. Everybody say more excellent. Now, before I go into the next part that we have for tonight, before I get into point one, notice this. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians, please. We'll be coming back to Proverbs if you want to put something there to mark it. But go, please, to 1 Corinthians 8. Without going there. You know, Romans 8 talks about as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And there is an implication of maturing ones. You show me someone who's maturing in God, I'll show you someone who is increasingly being led by the Spirit of God, which is walking in the wisdom of God. He that walks with wise men will be wise. Who's wiser than the Spirit of God? Can you walk with Him? Is He in you? Can you listen to Him? I'm not talking about hearing voices, but can you follow the witness inside and be led of the Spirit? Would you, in that case, be being led by the wisdom of God? Yes, you would. But now you'll see, you know, have any of you been reading some in Proverbs during this time? Boy, if you haven't, let me encourage you. Read you a chapter here and there about it or or three or four or get you some tapes or CDs with it on and play it when you're doing other stuff. And Proverbs particularly is good for that because it's just in bites. And even if you're working and doing something else, it's not like something that you have to keep up with the whole context. You can just hear a couple of phrases, right? And get revelation. But uh, in talking about this, you'll find how many times humility is connected with wisdom. And pride is connected with being a fool. Over and over and over again. But I want you to see something here. In order to get the wisdom of God, you have to believe there's a better way. And you've got to be open to it. 
famous last words of dead and dying churches. We've never done it that way before. <laughs> we never saw that or done that. Your own personal life. And here's the danger. Well, now I've been doing this for 13 years. And I reckon I know what I'm doing. Hmm? I've been doing this for now on 35 years. And I don't need nobody coming around here telling me how to do my job. You're being a fool. If you had any understanding, you'd know God has a better way. To do virtually anything and everything that you've ever done, there's a higher way. There's a better way. There's a more excellent way. Are you with me now? And if you will get the pride out of the way and humble yourself and admit it and acknowledge that he knows more. I don't care if you've been doing something for 50 years. God's been around longer than 50 years. Hasn't he? He's seen it all. And he knows it all. And how much do you know? Well, I know, you know, in church, nobody would sit up and say, I know it all. But they get out in their profession or in their job and they act like nobody can tell them anything about it. And the most ignorant people are the most adamant. Did you know that? <laughs> Did you find First Corinthians? Let me see if I'm ready for you to go there yet or not. Before I read that, let me just give you another example here. You know, we I've been involved in music for years. Now, I'm not, I don't consider myself to be very accomplished. But I have been. I've been able to, been in the studio and we've done projects and written songs and done things. And I know in some of the projects that we've done, endeavoring to get people to help. You know, some of the people that were the hardest to work with in the studio were the people that weren't as good. Musically. <laughs> the folk that were so, you know, everything had to adapt to them. And, oh, well, I can't, you know, I'm an artist and I, I have to do it this way and I can't do it that way. And, hey, I've been singing this way for X amount of time and I know what I'm doing. But the guys who were really good weren't that way. They were like, I'd say, you know, I know I don't know as much about this as you do, but I'd like to do this and then go, okay, all right, let's see. Hum it for me again. <laughs> let's do, and we're talking about three in the morning, you know, You've been there all day. But the people that were really good knew how much they didn't know. They had some kind of concept. The people who were the most ignorant weren't aware of how ignorant they were. They thought they really knew something. I've seen the same thing in flying. You know. So, you know, 
God, been to school and, you know, they pair you with different people at the school when you go. And I'm flying with people that fly for city corp and hostess and this bank and that bank and that the other. And the people that are the easiest to fly with and get along with are the guys that have got the most time. And they've flown all over the world and they know everything. And they're the most easy to talk to. And they know that even though they've been flying for 40 years, they have flown long enough to realize there's a lot to learn about flying. And the hardest people to get along with are the guys that are still wet behind the ears. They're hot shots. I can fly this plane. I can make this plane do anything I want. There's the one screaming when something goes wrong. Oh, what are we going to do? Now, have I digressed or, or you understand what we're talking about? Huh? Is there a better way? Well, in order to get the better way, what do you have to admit? I don't know everything. In fact, I don't know much. Thank God for what I know, but compared to what God knows about it? Right? And you have to ask for it and you have to look for it. And if you're that way with God, you'll be that way with people. 1 Corinthians 8, are you there? 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 2, I believe it is. Well, let me read verse 1. He said, as touching things offered to idols, we know we all have knowledge. We all know some stuff. Knowledge does what? Now see, is there anything besides knowledge? There's understanding. Right? What else is there? There's wisdom. We've already talked about this. You can have five degrees. You can be a walking encyclopedia. You can know nine languages and be a fool. Knowledge is not wisdom. And you can have all kind of knowledge and have no understanding. Oh, but in God you can have knowledge of the holy, which is understanding. And the reverence and respect and fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And you can begin to get it and you can get it and you can come on and go up and move up and get it and get it and see things you never thought you'd see. Understand things people said you couldn't understand. God's not trying to hide it from us. He's wanting to show us. If he could just find somebody, they'll admit they don't know much. And ask for his help. And say, show me how it ought to be done, Lord. Instead of going, I've been doing this for 25 years. And I reckon by golly, I know what I'm doing. Well, you're stuck where you are. You will not advance. You can't grow. Right? I mean, I've been preaching for decades myself. But I do not feel like I got this preaching thing mastered. I feel like I know about this much about it. And every day you got to approach it that way. Now, Lord, I know this is what I did last time and the time before that. But I believe in you there is a more excellent way. 
There's a better way. There's a stronger way. There's a better way. A greater way. Show me. Show me. Let's see, we're back to crying out for it, aren't we? Crying out after it. He said knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. Edifies. And, is everybody reading this now? I want everybody to read this, please. If any man, so who would discover? If anybody thinks that they know anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. Is that true? It is the Bible. Right? Another translation says, the New Living says, anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. The Living Bible says, if anyone thinks he knows all the answers, he is just showing his ignorance. That's what we were talking about. Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, he used to say this all the time. He'd say, the more you learn, the less you see you know. And it's a fact. And that's what we were talking about. People who really have grown some, they're not cocky. Because every time they learn something, they go, wow, I see. Because I thought, and I was doing, and oh boy, how far this goes. But if you're only seeing this, and you've been around it 108 times, and you think, I know every corner of this, I know every corner of this, I know this like the back of my hand. (laughs) Yeah, but if you'd ever take a step out of your bowl, you'd realize there's a whole universe of wisdom outside where you've been. Is that right now? And if anybody thinks they know anything, what do you say? You don't know anything yet. Like you what? Not just could know it, but like you ought to know it. So I don't care if you've been an expert, so-called, in something for 50, 60, 75 years. What that means is you know a little bit. But nothing compared to what can be known about it. And really what ought to be known about it. Right? So you've got to have that heart of humility to ask and say, Lord, teach me. Everybody said out loud, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For what you've shown me. For the little bit. But I know. In you. There's so much more. Show me me. the better way. way. Show me me. the more excellent way. way. I ask for your wisdom. wisdom. In every part of my life. life. Bring me up up. to the higher way. way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Well, that's one sermon. It's about number four, isn't it? I mean, we... For the night. I'm talking about. Could you take another one? Or are you ready to go? We could just say hallelujah and go home. I got another one for you. Are you ready for it? Go back to Proverbs then. Thank you Lord. We were there in chapter where? Four. Would you back up with me to chapter three? Proverbs three. 
And we'll begin in verse 1, Proverbs 3, 1. Now, don't forget what we just talked about in here. This is not just for church. Hmm? A fool affirms they know and they're sure when they're not. A wise man, even when he thinks he knows, will ask. Did you get this? I have learned so much in situations when I already thought I knew the answer. And a lot of times people say, well, do you know? And I'll say, well, tell me. And I think I already know it. I think I already see it. But in any situation, the wise person would know there's so much more than what I'm seeing. So you got to stay open. And sometimes, even though I know, I'll ask. And, uh, man, I, it's just become a way of life with me. Because again and again, the Lord's teaching me things. Let me say that phrase to you again. A fool is adamant that they know something when there's no reason why they would. Have you ever talked to people who are experts on everything? And they're so adamant about telling you something and you know there's no way they could know. They've never done it. They've never been involved in it. Oh, but yeah, yeah, this is the way it is. That's it. What is that? Foolish. I said, but a wise person, even when they think they know, even when they think they're sure, a wise person will ask. Will ask. And what if, you know, one of the things going on here is pride. Isn't it? That people want you to know that I know. And want to be the first one to tell it. But a wise person is not bothered by that. I don't care if somebody knows that I know it or not. They're not trying to impress you. They're endeavoring to learn. And grow. And a humble person doesn't mind admitting I didn't know it. And showing impression. It's not just about who's right. It's about what's right. And a wise person will look at somebody and even though they think they know, they'll ask, will you tell me? And as they do, if you see something you've never seen before, go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say, I never saw that before. I see, a lot of folk are too full of pride. They won't say that. They'll go, yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. Then they run off and tell somebody about this new revelation they just got. <laughs> Humility will show impression. Pride always knows something better. You know, I don't care what you got or what you, you get a new car. You pull up and they wanted that same car. So bad they could taste it, but they weren't able to get it. And they go, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, but you know, so-and-so got this other one they just came out with. And it's a, uh, boy, you know, it's got all this stuff and it's superior. No matter what you bring up, they've seen better. They know better. They've done better. That's ugly. I said, that's ugly. Ugly, stinking pride. Yeah. Humility and love. Somebody pulls up and they got their new car. 
This is their blessing day. You don't bring up something else. You shout with them over this car. And right now, right here, there ain't a better car in the world. This is it. This is the ride. Right? They get in their new house. You don't find fault with it. Well, you know, you could have done this. And, and I was in this house the other day. And I got a buddy of mine, you know. And they just built a house over there. And, and boy, they didn't do all that. They come out with this better way, you know. And they've done all this and that. Ignorant. It's done. They've done it. It's their blessing. It's time to go, ooh, ah, wow. Man, this is great. Glory to God. Got your own place, man. Let's shout. Never dance and run. Glory to God. New carpet. Whoo, new carpet. You don't say, well, that's not really my taste. I mean, I don't particularly like it. If you like it, that's fine. That's a fool. It really is. A fool. It ain't your house. Started to say something, but I won't say that. Isn't it ignorant though? And see, love doesn't do that. Why do people do that? Envy. Jealousy. Unbelief. Pride. Ugly stuff. But humility will show impression. Humility will say it. Oh man. That's the very car I want. Man, that's the car. That's the house. That's the stuff. Man, you did so good. Say what? Tell me that again. I never heard that before. I never thought about that. I never thought about that. Man, that's good. Well, they leave encouraged. Right? And you're just telling the truth. Instead of folks standing around. None of them know it. Just trying to act wise. Yeah. Right. Of course. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Have you seen this? Did you you know this in the world? And inside you're going, glory to God. God, I've never seen that before. But outside you go, right. (laughs) Right. That's being full of pride. That wasn't the next message. (laughs) Proverbs 3, are you there? I don't know if we can get to this next one or not. (laughs) Well, that's important too now, isn't it? And we haven't gone off track here. I mean, this is, if you want the wisdom of God, humility is a huge key to it. And God gives his grace to the humble. Well, his wisdom and his direction is of his grace. And the proud, what do they get? They get resisted. Resisted, which means they don't get the grace. They don't get the wisdom. They get dumber. Now, I know that sounds funny to you, but it's just a fact. The Bible says the pride of thine heart has deceived thee. The prouder you get, you also get unthankful, which is what we're talking about. I might as well spend a little more time on here. Go to Romans, please. First chapter. The pride of your heart deceives you. But what happens through the process, and this is another way of saying what we've just said. 
Verse 20, Romans 1.20, says the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because when they knew God, they what? They glorified him not as God, they didn't acknowledge him, they didn't glorify him, neither were they what? Thankful, and they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was what? Darkened. Pride deceives, becomes more and more unthankful, and what happens to your understanding is that happens. It is darkened, you become duller, and slower, and dumber. Had the Lord asked me years ago, I don't mean to heard a voice, but inside me real distinctly, he said, Keith, would you like to increase your capacity to receive from me? Well, that took me all of a split second to say, yes, yes, and please, yes, yes. Would I like to know how to increase my capacity to receive from him? Because that is the limiting factor. It's not what he can do, it's what? What can we receive? See, the psalmist said that the first generation that came out of Egyptian bondage, they turned and limited the Holy One of Israel. How could you limit God in your life? You can limit Him by your shallowness of being able to receive. So I thought, oh, yes, 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 show me. This is what he said to me. Cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Cultivate a lifestyle. Now, cultivate means it's not going to happen automatically. You can't just think it's going to happen by itself. Cultivate means, what does it mean in your garden? You've got to get out there and dig, right? You've got to cultivate a what? This is not Sunday morning and Friday night. This is what? Monday and Tuesday and all day and all. Cultivate a lifestyle of? Now, I didn't know what he was telling me. I didn't understand why he was telling me this. But later on, I began to see light here. And I saw unthankfulness causes darkness and dullness. Well, then turn it around. What does thankfulness affect? It causes you to become brighter. Oh, do you see this now? And get more light and get more understanding. What's that doing? That's opening up your spirit. Oh, come on now. That's opening up your spirit. And it actually works to enlarge your capacity and ability to understand and to see and to know and to receive. And to do. Cultivate what? Of what? Thanksgiving. How do you do that? Instead of griping. Instead of finding fault, instead of being huffy and acting like you don't notice. No, it's thank God for this and thank God for that. Thank you, Lord, and thank you, Lord. and Oh, that's great. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can see how the Lord led us to give these testimonies. That's why we give them. We say, thank you, Lord, for healing from cancer. Thank you, Lord, for sparing a building from a hurricane. And thank you for a pocket knife and a pair of socks and a tank of gas. Thank you. Thank you. Right? Thank you. And what happens to us? Brighter and light. Coming up and able to receive more and think bigger. What happens when you quit being thankful? You start going down. You start getting darker. And if you quit being thankful, you get to the place where you're deceived into thinking you don't have anything to be thankful for. What do I have to be thankful for? I live in this dump. I ain't got no money. Nobody help me. 
you're becoming stupid. That's right, really. Think, I'm not just calling that. That's what's happening. You're becoming, your understanding is getting, when you think God doesn't love you, He don't care about you, He's never done anything for you, then you're dumb as a post. Because come on, help me out now. Has God ever done anything for you? You're here, aren't you? Look at you. Breathing. Thinking. Has he ever answered a prayer for you? Has he fed you, took care, healed your babies, healed you, paid your bills? Then what an insult. What ignorance. To get depressed and down and I just want to end it all because nothing's, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Man, if your name is on the Lamb's book of life and they're working on your mansion right now and God's got a place for you in his eternal kingdom to rule and reign. You can shout the rest of your life. Just about that. Everything else is gravy. Thank you, Lord. Thankful. Be thankful. You'll expand. You'll increase. Now go to chapter 3 and I'll see. You know, I was asking the Lord, you know, I have gone longer in this series than in the previous ones. And I've been mindful of it and thinking about it. I don't, I don't want to go too long. And I've asked the Lord, what can I do? And I'm seeing we've had some anemia in this area. We need extra of this. Do you see that? I do. You do. We need extra of this. And it's not like, you know, most of you have not heard this like you have heard teaching on faith for the past 10 years. See, I could start teaching on faith and you've already got a big uh, block of reference. I don't have to explain everything. I can just mention something and you got background. Right? But this, we've been deficient in this. I mean, we really are Ned and the first reader on this. We're talking about what is knowledge. Right? What is wisdom? And for so many folks, it's just brand, brand new. So we need extra. And all I know to tell you is I'm doing the best I know. So it takes a little bit. takes a little bit. And it's not like we're doing this every night. It's once a week. Right? If we hit it every time, that's, what, 50 or so times a year? I mean, it's not a lot. But can you take some more right now? Or are you? Yes. Chapter 3, you there? Yes. Proverbs 3. I can at least start this. We'll see what the Lord says. 3.1. My son, Proverbs 3.1. Forget not my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For, are y'all with me? Proverbs 3, 2. Length of days 
and long life and peace shall they add to you. Does this affect how long you live? This would be worth some investment then, wouldn't it? He said, skip down to verse 13 for time's sake. Happy is the man that finds what? Wisdom. And the man that getteth understanding, you'll be what? How about these depressed folks then? We know they didn't get it. Right? They didn't get it because if they'd have got it, they'd be happy. Right? Now really think about it. How could you be full of the wisdom of God and be depressed? Full of the understanding and knowledge of God and be depressed. It just doesn't work that way. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. And the gain thereof than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the things you can desire are not to be compared to her. Her what? Wisdom and understanding. Now get this. Length of days is in her right hand. And in her left hand, riches and honor. When you get wisdom, you get something else. Wisdom has company that travels with wisdom. What do you get on the right? You get to live a long time. To be long life. The Lord said, with long life, I'll satisfy you. Show you my salvation. But it's coupled together with wisdom. Wisdom. You live your life in the wisdom of God. And you just keep living. And you just keep living. And you miss that accident. And you miss that. And you get healed from that disease. And you keep living. And just keep living. Other people do some dumb stuff and get taken out. But not you. You're wise. And you're still here. And you're still here. And decades go by. You're still here. Till you just say, hey, I'm ready to go. I've been here so long. (laughs) I'm satisfied. In the other hand, now what is it? What? Say that word again, that R word. That riches, 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 and honor. Riches. You get wisdom. You get long life on one hand and you get riches and honor on the other hand. Comes with. Comes with. You remember Solomon, don't you? What did he ask God for? God, give me wisdom. Got to have wisdom to uh, lead your people. And what did God give him? Wisdom. But what come with it? There was some things that came with. Right? God told him, said, I'm glad you didn't ask for the life of your enemies. You didn't just ask for long life for yourself. You didn't just ask for riches and power for yourself. You asked for wisdom. It pleased God that he asked for wisdom. And he said, and because you asked for that, I'm going to give it to you. But you're also going to get, you're going to get the riches. You're going to get the honor. And if you'll serve me, I'm going to give you a long life too. 
It comes with wisdom. Long life. Riches. Honor. Glory to God. Verse 17. Her ways. Wisdom's ways. Are ways of pleasantness. And all her paths. Not just part of them. All her paths. Are paths of peace. She's a tree of life to them that lay hold on her. And happy. He says it again. Happy is everyone that retains her. Happy. Now this is a whole seminar. About wisdom and riches. But I want us to condense it some. Go to chapter 8. Go to chapter 8. Proverbs 8. We've already read about how wisdom cries for us. That's how this starts off. But if you skip on down to verse 12. He says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. And I find out knowledge of witty inventions. Wisdom says, I know some stuff. I can show you ways. I can show you inventions nobody's ever thought about. How many realize one seemingly little invention could make you rich and your great-grandkids rich? Just one. Just, as they say, build a better mousetrap. It ain't got to be anything, you know, in outer space. Just, you know, a car engine that'll get 100 miles to the gallon. A motor that'll burn grass. <laughs> you could own half the world. You know? Everybody say inventions. inventions. Keep reading. Verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine, sound wisdom, I am understanding, I have strength. By me kings reign, princes decree justice, by me princes rule, nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me. Somebody say, that's me. me. You love wisdom? You love God? Then he says, I love you. And those that seek me early, what will happen? Can you count on this scripture? But if you get up in the morning and say, man, I'm looking for my wisdom, I'm looking for my wisdom. Everything you start, the first thing you do, the earliest thing you do is you ask for the wisdom and you look for it. This Bible says what? You'll find it. Verse 18. There it is again. Riches and honor are with me. Yea, durable riches. This ain't flash in the pan riches. This ain't had a good month, riches. Listen, NIV says, with me, with wisdom, are riches and honor, enduring wealth. Enduring wealth and prosperity. Enduring wealth. That means you're rich next year and next year and the next year. And a good man, the scripture said, leaves an inheritance 
to his children's children. That's the Bible. How many believe that's the Bible now? The wealth of the sinner is laid up, the Bible said, for the just, for the righteous. And a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's enduring wealth. Your grandkids and your great-grandkids. And after them, after you're gone and in heaven, they get into some stuff and they go, Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Mama. And great Papa. Why? Because it's good to start off life with a nice paid-for house. And some investments that's been earning interest for you for the last 20 years. It's nice. Are y'all not with me enough on this? Y'all are like... Y'all think I'm talking about somebody else. Y'all think I'm preaching to some other church. Come on now. You can't pick and choose. You get the wisdom. You get the riches. It comes with it. It's a package deal. You can't split it up. Huh? Skip down to verse 21. That I may cause those. That love me. To what? What is substance? Stuff. Don't try to hyper-spiritualize this now. Inherit stuff. Substance. Stuff. Well, I just believe I'm rich in the blessings of the Lord. And just in spiritual blessings. But I'm poor as I can be. But I'm rich. No. People have taken these scriptures and they've tried to make them say something they didn't say and they've twisted Yes, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But we are also blessed with all things that pertain to life and godliness. And he said, you sow anything into the kingdom, you'll receive now in this time. Verses are there. They're there. What does it say, verse 21? That I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. And I will fill their treasures. Wisdom will make you rich. Glory to God. Now this goes on and on. But I want to give you in our remaining time here some Bible illustrations the way we've been doing. I want to show you an example of it. Solomon. In Second Chronicles 8. Turn there quickly please. Second Chronicles 8. Was Solomon wise? Was he rich? Was he very, very wise? <laughs> Was he very, very rich? Are you seeing the connection? Little bit of wisdom. Little bit of rich. Whole lot of wisdom. Whole lot of rich. And I'm excited about it because what have we been doing for the last week after week after week here? Do you see something here? What have we been doing? We've been coming up, showing up here like a hungry dog going, I take my wisdom. I take, well, give me my wisdom, God. I'm looking for my wisdom. And might not have realized that when the wisdom shows up, right behind it, oh, oh. <laughs> it comes with. Yes. 
Long life. One hand. Riches and honor. In the other. It's the only way wisdom comes. Somebody say I'll take it. I'll receive it. Second Chronicles the 8th chapter. Are you there? Can you take a little more now? Second Chronicles. The 8th chapter. God has given Solomon this wisdom he asked for. And Solomon is ruling and reigning. His kingdom is increasing. And just growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And uh, verse 16 of chapter 8, 2 Chronicles 8. Solomon finished the work of the house of the Lord. He put the Lord's house first. And he finished it. Verse 17. Then Solomon, he went to Ezai and Jeber and to Eloth at the seaside in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent him by the hands of his servants ships. And they pulled up at the dock and they went, oh, oh. <laughs> And what was in the ships? 450 talents of pure gold. This is right after they got through building the Lord's house. Are you seeing anything here now? Right after they got through building the Lord's house. Now, I don't think most folk know what 450 talents of gold is. I just... Would you like to know I'm... Good, I was hoping you'd ask. A talent of gold is a chunk. Yes, I mean, how big? How big is it? It's a big chunk. The small talent was considered to be about 75 pounds of gold. A big talent was considered 125 pounds of gold. And a lot of folk think there's kind of a median one of about 100 pounds. But the smallest, most conservative figure is 75 pound chunk. Of pure gold. Now this is not some stretch because you read other places where it took two men to carry a talent. One man didn't carry a talent. Of course these guys don't sit behind desks all day long either. Right? They, these guys are wiry and strong. And one man didn't carry a talent. So you're figuring it's probably at least 100 pounds. Going to carry it for some distance. And how many of these 100 pound chunks... We're in the blessing boats. 450. Well, I looked it up today and gold is selling for about 450, 445, I think it was, dollars an ounce. An ounce. Am I right? Does that sound right to people that keep up? About 445 an ounce. Now, our figuring, you know, it varies. Different times, the pound was bigger, the ounce was bigger. You got this ounce and troy ounce and measurements were different. Everything, but we can get a ballpark. Well, 
it would be approximately 320 million. And what, what's the thing about it is this was just one group of boats that pulled up. <laughs> this happened regularly. Wow. Praise God. Why? <laughs> it's connected with wisdom. Somebody say uh, 320 million. Okay, now chapter 9. We've already studied this. The Queen of Sheba showed up. Anybody remember the Queen of Sheba? We talked about her. We saw. Why did she come? She had heard about the wisdom. And she's a queen. But the Bible said when she came and she saw the more excellent ways. Can you see that she saw, she's a queen. She's not living in a hut now. She's living in a palace. I mean, they got gold, they got silver, they got all kind of stuff. But when she saw his furniture and she saw the way his servants filed in, the way they set the table, the way the drapes were, the way his throne was, the way the procession of when the people got up and they all sang and they went up to the house of the Lord, the Bible said she lost her breath. She gasped. She said, I wondered if it was true, but the half of it wasn't told me. What? The wisdom and glory of God. But what is Solomon doing with all this money? That's what he's doing. He's glorifying the house of God and the way he does things in the ceremonies of God. They're spending money like water. Did you see it? Can you spend too much money on the things of God, of the Lord? Can you make it too nice? You can't. But see, we've got centuries of people still fussing about, well, now we don't want us. We ain't no need in spending that extra money on that best carpet. We could save the Lord some money. That's not the better way. That's man's way. That's the low way. That's not the wise way. That's the dumb way. It is. Now skip on down to the ninth chapter. Verse 13. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents. Of gold. Beside. Everybody say beside that. (laughs) Beside that. Which the chapmen and merchants brought. And all the kings of Arabia. And the governors of the country. They brought gold and silver to Solomon too. This was just one of his avenues. Well how much is that? That is approximately 25 tons of pure gold. I just like saying that, don't you? 25 tons, not pounds. And what's it sell for right now? 455 an ounce. <laughs> How many ounces in a ton? 
Well, I figured you'd want to know, so I put the calculator to it. The middle talent was 475 million. This is every year from one avenue. This was just one of his investments. Now, one reason I'm talking about some of this is because does God want us rich? He became poor so we could be rich. But we, a lot of folk have not gotten a hold of this. You make investments in the spiritual with your sowing in the kingdom, but you also make investments in the natural. Where? When? How? How much? Only one way to get it right. The wisdom of God. Are you with me now? The wisdom of God. 25 tons of gold from one channel. The New Living actually says 25 tons. The English version says 25 tons also. The Living Bible, and this was done a while back. Gold was a different price. It said a quarter billion dollars. A quarter of a billion. So the three or four hundred million is, you know, same vicinity. And this is from one channel. Verse 20 said Solomon made everything out of gold, everything out of pure gold. They didn't even use silver. Verse 20, because it was not anything accounted of in the days of Solomon. They made their horse troughs out of silver and stuff. (laughs) They did. They didn't use silver because they just, well, when you got ships pulling in with 25 ton of gold on a regular basis, well, you make it out of gold. <laughs> Some of you looking at me funny. I didn't write this. Why did God record this for us? Why? And why didn't He link it beyond question with His wisdom? And then why did He tell us, get your wisdom, boys. Get your wisdom, girls. Get it. Get it. And He said, now when it shows up, it'll have long life in one hand, it'll have riches in the other. But get it. How about us having 500 million? Could you do something with that? Show up down there on the coast in New Orleans with some of our friends that have lost churches and their families say, hey, we'll build 50 homes. We'll rebuild this church. We're going to do some things, but I feel like it's so small. What's a hundred thousand here and there? Even a million on something like this. What it's like a drop in the bucket. But God has the resources. Are, are y'all with me now? I know it's later, but don't fail me now. Stay with me real close now. God said some things about this church. He said some things about you. And now some of you. You were, and some of you are right now, just as broke as I was when I started, and that's baroque. But God shows up good in the foolish things 
and the base things and the things that are not. And why couldn't God raise you up and raise me up? Unlikely folks like us. And something comes up. And I come in five years from now or ten years from now. The Lord tears his coming. And something like this has happened. And I say, hey guys, you know they got to have a hundred million to do this thing down there and to get it done right quick. And a person pop up and say, I got the first million. Another one say, I got three right here. Another one say, I got five. I got 500,000. I got 250,000. And in 20 minutes, we got it. It's done. It's done. And we put it in the bank and we go down there and do it. Why wouldn't that please God? Why wouldn't that be the will of God? What reason would God have to keep us poor? Why would he want us poor? Are y'all with me now? Well, millions of Christians believe that it's God's will for them to be poor, that they are the way they are because he ordained it and because he chose it for them. Why though? Why would God want us with no ability, with no resource? Sounds like somebody else would want us broke and no ability and can't do anything. And it's not God. I said, well, Brother Keith, I just don't know how to listen. One of Brother Hagin's supporters from back in the 60s up until this time. When he first got hooked up with Brother Hagin, I've heard him say he had 50 bucks, $50. And he got a hold of Brother Hagin's tapes on how to be led by the Spirit. And he fed on them night and day. Night and day, he'd get up and shave with them on. He'd get dressed with them on. He'd eat with them on. He'd go to bed with them on. How to be led by the Spirit. How to be led by the Spirit. Month after month and year after year. Did you hear this now? He's hearing the same truths, the same thoughts. How to be led by the Spirit. Well, he began to make a little investment here. And a little investment there. And I heard him say over a period of years, he turned that $50 into hundreds of millions. He's bought and built shopping centers and all kind of real estate. I know a few years ago, he bought a brand new Global Express. I know they cost about $40 million. I know he's doing all right. Started with $50 and a set of tapes. Is God a respecter of persons? Anybody in here got $50? Then why couldn't we get to a place? Why couldn't we? Now listen. I think I'll close with this. If I don't, who cares? (laughs) Brother uh, Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, tells about a vision that he had. And how the Lord taught him, among other things, about how to be led by the Spirit. And that is one of the greatest things you could ever learn in this life. How to be led by the Holy Ghost. So many people just know nothing about it. They are still flipping coins and asking everybody and their brother what they think they ought to do. And you got Christians reading horoscopes and calling psychics. 
when you got the spirit of the living God. The spirit of wisdom living on the inside of a born again child of God. And the Lord taught him about the inward witness and about how God leads all of his children. We've taught you on it. We've talked about it. He's camped on it for weeks and weeks and weeks. It was called the spirit-led life that we taught here recently. And he said the Lord told him at the end of that vision he was leaving him. And he looked at him he said, if you'll learn how to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. The head of the church, the Lord Jesus, he says, looks at him. Now he said when he told him that, he was ingrained with tradition. And it sounded strange to him. Because they preached against being rich. Oh, you don't want any of this old world's riches and this old world's goods. And the rich were the evil folks. So it struck him. He knows he's hearing the Lord, but he's thinking. Of course, the Lord knew what he was thinking. So the Lord looked at him and said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. He told him again, he said, you learn how to follow my spirit. So that's what that man learned, one of his partners. Didn't learn it overnight or in a week or two. But you learn how to be led by my spirit. I will make you rich. Does God want you rich? Why did he become poor? So we could be rich. But it's not just going to fall on us automatically. He's got to take us by the... How are we going to get from where we are to there? He'll lead us. Step by step. Seed by seed. Investment by investment. Put this here now. Leave it there now. Take it out now. Buy now. Sell now. Get this. Do this. Sow this. Right? And when you're following him, it makes money. It increases. And you just keep increasing. And you just keep increasing. And you can see how you can get there. Over a period. He said, the Lord told him, he said, I expect my people to have the best place in town. I expect my people to have the best place in town. Why not? Why wouldn't we? If he is the king of kings. If he is the God of all gods who created heaven and earth. Why should we be in a little dumpy place on the side of the road? Maybe you start there, but you don't stay there. You come up. You come up. You come up. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, would you? Glory be to God. Raise your hands. Thank the Lord for His goodness. Oh, Father, we bless You. Father, we praise You. Lord, we glorify You. We magnify You. Oh, You're so great. Oh, what a great and mighty and awesome God. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Say it out loud because you mean it. Close your eyes. Say it out loud because you mean it. Lord, I am yours. All I am. All I have. All I will ever be. 
or have is yours. I'm in your hand. Do with me what pleases you. Get glory to yourself in my life. Make me a blessing. I ask for your wisdom. The wisdom of God. The leading of the Spirit. Where to sow. When and how. Where to invest. When and how. What to do. How to sow. And how to reap. How to operate. And I believe. That you. Have made me rich. And will make me a blessing. Far beyond. What I can see now. To your glory. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.